Today, we're going to see how Jesus describes himself as the bread of life. Um, We're going to look in John chapter 6. We can't deal with all 71 verses, uh, but we can uh, kind of look at the big picture stories that we have. Uh, There there are three basic movements that take place in John chapter 6. The first one is Jesus with the crowd. Uh, and he feeds uh, 5,000 people with just a few loaves and fishes. Y'all remember that story? Um, and then uh, the story of Jesus sending his disciples uh, across the Sea of Tiberias in a rowboat. They're rowing across, get about halfway, and wind picks up, and, and they're struggling. Uh, and Jesus comes to them in the middle of the night by walking on water. And uh, they immediately receive him into the boat. And verse 21 says, when they immediately received him into the boat, immediately they got to the other side. When they willingly received Jesus into the boat, they immediately got to the other side. Jesus takes us where we need to be. Um, and, and, and so that's the second story. And then uh, the next morning on the other side of the sea, uh, uh, there at the Sea of Tiberias, uh, the crowd has followed and found Jesus again. And, and as they, they found Jesus, they want to know where he's been. Really, they're chasing him down because he fed them a lot of food. And they want some more food. And uh, so from that point forward, from, from about verse 35 down to all the way to verse 71, Jesus is talking to them about who he is, that, that they're looking for food for the grind of their grumbling stomachs, but he, wanted to, he wants to nourish their soul. In fact, that's really the whole theme of John chapter 6, uh, that when we follow Jesus, Jesus nourishes our souls completely. I mean, when we follow Jesus, Jesus nourishes our souls completely. You say, well, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a Christian, but I don't find that my soul's been nourished completely. I, I, would, I would push back a little bit and say, yeah, I understand that because I've been there too. But the, def- the deficiency is not in Jesus, it's in me. I'm not following him. I, I, I mean, I am a follower. I'm going to heaven when I die. I am a Christian and I know Jesus. But, but if there is lack in my life, if I feel like I'm not being nourished, if my soul seems like there's some disconnects there, it's not because Jesus is failing to nourish my soul. It's because I'm failing to turn to Jesus to nourish my soul. I'm looking to a sporting event. Uh, you know, I, I'm telling you, Ohio State Buckeye fans are the worst about being nourished by their sporting team. I'm just kidding. Uh, No, Tennessee fans are just as bad. Uh, We just don't have a lot to cheer about as much as Ohio State does. But, you know, you have your sporting events. You have your sporting events. and, uh, and, 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 you know, sport, football's getting ready to start. Man, that's going to nourish my soul. That's going to make me happy. You know the people that live from sporting event to sporting event or activity to activity. And, and, and the, the problem is you look to that to nourish your soul, it's going to come up empty. That, that, that's a shallow well. Okay? Or, or maybe you're looking to other people. And, boy, this is the big one, right? You're looking to somebody else to nourish your soul. My wife is a great woman. I, I, I can't even describe what a great woman she is. And she is caring and compassionate. She is loving. She, uh, she's as perfect a wife as any man could ever want. She is patient with me. Can you imagine the patience it takes to live with me? I mean, imagine that unbelievable. Thank you for that affirmation. Um, 
It takes great patience, but, but she has the stick to itness. Uh, she has the endurance. She has love and compassion. And she, she e- expresses these things toward me. But let me tell you something. As good as my wife is, if I'm looking to her to nourish my soul, look, her well's not deep enough for that. It's going to come up short. And you girls dating these guys, and they may be nice guys. I've yet to find one for my daughters, but there may be some nice guys out there. You got these, you're dating these guys, and you look into these guys, and you're saying, these guys are going to nourish my soul. The, the whole idea that I can look to somebody else and they will complete me, that's a lie. There's just no truth to it. There, there's not another human being that can nourish your soul completely. We're, we're, we live our lives, and, and maybe it's not, not, not a relationship. Maybe it's not an entertainment or a sporting event. Maybe it's, a, maybe it, maybe it's money or, or wealth or possessions. And you, man, you're chasing that, and you're chasing that, and you're saying, man, if I just get a little bit more of the dollar, if I, if I, if I have a little bit more of the green, if I can get myself a boat or, 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 or whatever and, and, and get all this stuff, put, put more money in my retirement account, if I can just get, 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 then, then I'm going to be okay. I'm, my soul will be nursed. Look, there is not a person who has had a bunch of money who would ever say that money made me fulfilled it it can't it doesn't have that kind of power so so when when we look at what jesus teaches in john chapter six it it, what we learn is that jesus and jesus alone can nourish our soul completely and that's the metaphor about being the bread of of life and the bread from heaven that Jesus describes in John 6. He, he's saying, look, I'm here and I will satisfy you completely. I will nourish your soul completely. I know it's not easy. And look, I'm, I'm not trying to paint a picture as though I've got it all together. I don't. I, it's a hard thing for me too. I mean, it's easier for me to find uh, nourishment today in my, my children. I mean, uh, my, my girls, I can't tell you how wonderful they are. I, mean, I can't even begin to describe what a treasure they are. Seriously, I mean, they, oh, but they can't nourish my soul. And, and, and it's a great temptation for me to look to them to nourish my soul, or look to my wife to nourish my soul, or look to my job. Well, maybe not so much my job, but look to other things <laughs> to nourish my soul. I look I look for those things to, to nourish what's, what's, what I need. But they can't. The well is not deep enough. But with Jesus, the well is plenty deep to nourish our soul completely. And, and it, this is how uh, Peter uh, ends the John chapter 6 and, and G- Jesus has shared some hard truth about being his follower he said something along these lines unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood you can have no part of me saying let unless you take me wholeheartedly unless you have me all to pieces you can't be my follower and when Jesus talked about flesh and blood and that kind of thing man the crowd left they were just looking for a little manna 
They didn't want all this flesh and blood stuff. And so they left. And so in John chapter 6, verse uh, 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 69, I believe, uh, John chapter 6, verse 67, he says, Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to leave as way? Uh, Do you also want to go away? But Simon said to him, he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. Now get this. And we have come to know and to believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And what Peter was saying is we're not going to get our nourishment anywhere else. It will only come from you Uh, today. And I, I pray that you get this. And if you get nothing else today, get this. The only place where you're going to be fully satisfied, the only place where you're going to be nourished to the depths of who you are is in the embrace of Jesus. It's, it's, it's tied to him. It's following after him. It's obeying him. It's, it's uh, uh, saturated with his spirit. Um, yielded to his control. It's, it's the only place where you're going to be nourished completely is if Jesus is, is, is everything to you. That's, that's how your soul is nourished. But when, when we follow Jesus, that's the way it's supposed to be. And so, so what, what we're going to do is we're going to take pieces of, of John 6. And, and by the way, there are so many different angles in John 6 that we could, get, we could look at. Um, John 6, beginning with the story of, of feeding the 5,000, uh, Jesus looks out on the crowd and he sees all these people. And Matthew 4 describes it as Jesus had compassion on the people and, and, and he had such compassion on them because they were uh, weary and scattered like sheep with no shepherd. That's Matthew 4. John, 4, uh, John uh, 6 here, it says that, that, that Jesus looked and, and he said, um, what are we going to do about all these people? They need some food. What are we going to do to take care of them? And, and he turns to Philip and he says, Philip, what are we going to do to take care of all these people? And, and Philip responds, this is verse 4 or 5, and Philip responds, he says, even if we had 200 denarii, that would not be enough money to feed everyone here, even if everybody had just a little. So Jesus, verse 6 says, um, John says that Jesus asked Philip what they were going to do about feeding all these people, not in order to test Philip. He was just te- checking Philip out. Now, is Philip going to try, to try to make a plan himself or what? What's Philip going to do? And, and then this last part of verse 6, uh, for Jesus already knew what to do. Y'all see that? Look at verse 6, John 6, 6. And Jesus already knew what to do. Jesus already had a plan in place. I got to tell you, we could spend all day on that. That, that Jesus already has a plan in place. And this is not the point. That This isn't the angle we're going to go at, but I, I, I still have to tell you this. Okay, so, so um, on Thursday, we pack up two cars, three cars. Pack up a Volkswagen Bug. That's Elizabeth's car. Uh, pack up a, 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 a Chevy Tahoe. Uh, that is now Emily Catherine's car. Oh, help me, Jesus. And then packed up our car. Edie and I share a car now. Everybody else has their own, but Edie and I share a car now. Um, <laughs> so so Edie and I pack up our car, Ford Edge, and, and we pack up all three cars. The bug stayed in Chesapeake. Friday morning, though, the Tahoe and the Ford Edge uh, start its way to 
um, uh, Liberty University, where we're going to drop off Emily Catherine. Um, now, the Tahoe uh, that Emily Catherine was driving, it had all of her stuff in it. The Edge that Edie and I were driving, that had all of Elizabeth's stuff in it. So we're, gonna, we're all driving uh, uh, to, to Liberty uh, with Maggie and Emily Catherine uh, in the Tahoe, Eric and Edie in the Edge. Uh, Elizabeth is going to meet us at Christopher Newport University on Saturday, um, and we're going to leave Emily Catherine. All right, so so we're driving along 460 from here to 460. Anyway, um, and I am a more experienced driver than Emily Catherine, therefore I drive with more confidence. And I can drive with more confidence, and, and I am moving with more um, uh, expeditiousness. I, I, I can get from point A to point B more expeditiously than Emily Catherine can. And so as we're driving along, Edie and I are several miles ahead of Emily Catherine and Maggie. And, and so I'm driving along, and all of a sudden, up to the right, the, there's a lane that, that gets lost. People, there's road work on the side, and they've got these orange cones, and so traffic a little bit. And so I'm thinking to myself, well, that, that could be dangerous for Emily Catherine. So I pick up the phone, and I call Maggie and tell Maggie to tell Emily Catherine to be careful uh, because that's, that, that can be dangerous. And, and, and she said, thank you, Dad, click. And, and, and so, so that, but I wanted them to know I had seen the danger and I was warning them of the danger. And so we get a, uh, several miles up the road and, and, and I, I'm driving through a town and there are policemen all around looking for those whom they may devour. And, and, and so I call Maggie and I say, Maggie, um, uh, y'all need to watch out and it, it, there are police officers here and, and they will pull you and Maggie uh, would I don't know if she said it out loud she certainly thought it uh, dad we don't have to worry about it because we're not breaking the law um, <laughs> you know anyway uh, so so we're driving along and, and that the picture is as a parent I'm I'm looking and I'm seeing things and what may not be a big deal to me I see them as perhaps a big deal to Emily Catherine in her driving. And so in concern for her, I call and I warn her about danger. And that's what Jesus does. See, Jesus has already seen the details of your life and mine. I mean, get this. He's already seen the map of it. He already understands where you're going, where you're headed. He understands the journey you have to take. He's already traveled that road and he's ready to pick up the phone and call you and say, hey, listen, I've got a plan on how you can navigate this. I'm gonna warn you about the danger. I'm gonna tell you about the path you need to take. I'm going to call back. I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to provide for you. Man, that'd be a great sermon if I wanted to preach that, but I'm not going to preach that today. But that's all about Jesus having a plan. Jesus has a plan when we don't. Do you realize in the midst of your chaos, Jesus has a plan. He already knows what he's going to do. Uh, help me. If for no other reason, we ought to follow him because he's got a plan. All right. So anyway, but that's not how we're going to go with that passage. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the heart of Jesus in this. All right, so, so Jesus nourishes us completely, first of all, because Jesus gives us his compassion. Je- Jesus uh, nourishes our soul with his compassion. Uh, what would make the creator of the universe, the one who can create bread and fish out of nothing, what would make that kind of person care enough about the hunger of some person who lives in Hampton Roads. I mean, actually is concerned 
about your hunger? What, what was it that motivated Jesus to stop what he was doing and say, hey, listen, we got to feed these people? It's his compassion. You realize Jesus cares about you? I, I don't, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this because really we don't have to, except for the fact that so many of us, we, we get so captured by the uh, otherness of Jesus, the holiness of Jesus, the perfection of Jesus, the majesty of Jesus, and rightly so. I study all the different names of Jesus and the titles of Jesus and how big and powerful and mighty he is. He's the firstborn over all creation. All things were made through him and by him and for him. And it's by Jesus that the whole world holds together. Yet Jesus, this creator of all things, God himself, became a man so that he could stop on a hillside side in Judea 2,000 years ago, look at 5,000 plus people, stop everything and say, wait a second, they're hungry. We need to take care of them. Look, I can do theology with the best of them, but here's the thing. It really gets down to this. Jesus cares about you, and he is concerned about the details of your life. So much so that he is ready to move his hand to help you. That's what compassion is. Now, here's the thing. I, you, you and I, man, we can, we can have compassion for each other. And, and I might have compassion for you. And, and, and man, I, that's something that, that the Lord is always developing in me, greater compassion for people, greater compassion for people. I can have compassion for you, and that's good. That's, that's important. That's an important thing. You can have compassion for me, and that's good, and that's an important thing. But here's the problem. I can have compassion, but I can't fix much. I, I can't fix much of what's going on. You can have compassion, but the problem is you can't fix much of what's going on. But with Jesus, he has compassion, and he has compassion with muscle to it. He can fix. Here's the one who can actually create a meal out of nothing. He's the one who can absolutely change the course of my hunger by, by providing a supernatural meal for me. That's who Jesus is. You might not believe that about Jesus, but that's who he is. The question is, will we turn to Jesus for compassion? Can I just say, and and I, I mean this with all humility, you keep looking to me for compassion, my well is not deep enough for you. But Jesus, his well won't run dry. One of the reasons why we try to manipulate our relationships and use passive-aggressive tendencies or sometimes out loud, not even passive-aggressive, just aggressive tendencies to get people to feel something for us. The reason we do that is because we have this deep need for people to feel something for us. Can I share with you a great truth? Jesus feels something for you. Stop trying to manipulate everybody around you and just bow at his feet, cry out to him, say, Jesus, help. He's the one that will fill that tank up in you. But you've got to turn to him. 
All right, so Jesus nourishes our soul with compassion. By the way, there's another little uh, tidbit message in there where it says that they didn't have a lot but th- to start with, ju- just a little bit of fre- bread and, and fish, ju- just a little bit, just a little bit, just, just a tad. And yet Jesus turns a little bit into feeding 5,000 people with 12 baskets of fragments left over. So another little sermon, if you're looking for a sermon, Jesus can do a lot with a very little. Yes. Uh, that'll preach all day long, but that's not where we're going either. All right, so, so uh, Jesus nourishes our soul with his compassion. The second thing, uh, and, and, uh, and, and this, is, this hits at our fear. See, fear makes you do a lot of crazy things. You get scared, you, you're going you're gonna to behave in a weird way. And, and you encounter this all the time. People getting afraid of certain things, man, they, they just act in, in, in irrational ways. Fear makes you do crazy things. Now, what happens here is Jesus, um, Jesus tells his disciples to go down the mountain, get in a boat, and row to the other side. And I guess they assumed that he was going to walk the shore and meet them on the other side at morning time. And so they get in the boat and they start rowing over and they, they start rowing and rowing and rowing. And, and then the wind picks up and the wind gets a little bit uh, scary. And, and so they're sitting there in the boat and things get a little bit hairy and scary. And, and it's at that point that, that I can identify with. It's the in-between time. I don't like in-between. Y'all know in-between? In-between. I, I got paid on the 15th. I'm going to get paid again on the 31st. And I've got all my bills due in-between. I don't like the in-between. The in-between. I don't like the in-between. The, the disciples were, they weren't where they used to be. They had left the shore, but they weren't where they needed to be the other side. They were stuck in-between and the wind's blowing. I'm getting a little bit nervous. I don't like the in-between. I've asked her to marry me, and she said yes. But we're going to be engaged for three months, and we're on day two. I don't like in-between. I don't like in-between. That that in-between time where I'm not where I used to be, praise you. Jesus, but I'm not where I need to be. Oh, help me, Jesus. The in-between is a time of confusion sometimes. It's, it's a time when you get scared. It's a time when, when, when you become uncertain. You start doubting. It's that in-between time. Now, the good news for us is that Jesus is the king of the in-between. And Jesus is the one who can step into the moments of your in-between times and actually throttle fear and doubt with his power. See, the disciples were in between. They were rowing, but they weren't where they needed to be. They weren't where they used to be. They just weren't where they needed to be. And you and I are here today, and, and we're rowing through this life, and we're stuck in the in-between. And, 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 and then what do you do? I love the picture of the passage because the scripture says that Jesus is just walking along on H2O. He fashions and forms the molecules of the water to fit his every footstep and hold him up. Imagine the power. 
it takes to change the dynamic of those water molecules with each footstep. Change it, change it, change it, change it, change it, change it. And he does it not to show off. If I had that power, I'd probably be showing off. But Jesus does it to meet his disciples in the middle of the sea because he knows they're scared. He knows they're struggling. He knows they're in the in-between. And so Jesus manipulates and controls and, and, and dominates and dictates to water molecules how they're supposed to behave so that he can walk on the water to meet his followers in the boat. And so that he can help them in their in-between. You're sitting here and the 15th has come and gone and the bills are still stacking up and the money that you had from the 15th is now gone and you've got to make it another five days until the 31st and you don't know what to do. You're in the in-between. But I've got to tell you that the Jesus, if we follow him, this Jesus who can control and dominate and dictate and and rule over water molecules is the same Jesus who wants to speak into your in-between right now. But here's what's got to happen. It's not enough for us to know that this is Jesus, the king of the in-between. We've got to willingly receive him into our boat. You look at verse 21. In verse 21, Jesus uh, walks up to him on the water uh, and and uh, verse 20, he said, it is I, don't be afraid. And then they willingly received him into the boat. And immediately the boat was from where they were to where they needed to be. Now, the key there is they've got to immediately, willingly, openly, without reservation, let Jesus Get in the boat and understand when Jesus gets in the boat, there's only one captain in the boat at that time. Jesus is not a co-pilot to anyone. He is captain or he is not in the boat. That's who Jesus is. So this is the maker of all things, the creator of, of food out of nothing, the one who can dominate and rule water molecules, the one who wants to invade your in-between with his compassion. Here he is wanting to throttle the fear that you have in the uncertainty of the in-between. And all we have to do is say, yes, Jesus, come on in. I can't tell you how many people in this room, including myself at different times, I can't tell you how many times I've said, Jesus, I don't want you in the boat right now. I got this under control. Such pride and arrogance. Jesus, don't come in my boat. Don't you understand? I've got a plan. See, that's how I handle the in-between. You want to know how I handle the in-between? I make a plan. And the plan is we're either going to stop rowing and go with the flow. We're going to row harder or we're going to turn around and get back to shore. That's what we're going to do. That's the plan. And so I make a plan. And so Jesus comes along and he says, don't be afraid. Here I am. And I say, well, I don't need you. I've got my plan. 
Some of you handle the in-between. That's how I handle the in-between. Some of you handle the in-between, not by making a plan, but by freaking out. You're in the in-between, and man, you just, I mean, it's like you're a wildfire of anxiety and stress, and you're just unleashing on everybody. I mean, you start talking about uh, the sky falling, you're chicken little in real life form. I mean, you are just absolutely out of control because you're in the in-between, and you're scared, and you're uncertain, and so you just freak out. You know, freaking out people usually jump overboard. By the way, if you want to know you're the freaking out person, just ask somebody around you. Because <laughs> they've seen that. Hey, you, you, maybe you're not a planner. Maybe you're not freaking out. Maybe, maybe, maybe what you do is you just want to lay down in the bottom of the boat and die. The in-between. You're, it's too hard. Life is too uncertain. I'm too scared. So I'm just going to lay in the bottom of the boat and I am going to die. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to lay here. Oh, God, crush me with a rock. Help me out, please. I'm just going to lay in the bottom of the boat. I'm going to die. Jesus, I don't need you except to kill me. Or give me some of that wine you made at the wedding at Cana. Slip that over here. I'm going to keep talking about that wine until somebody really gets upset with me and says, I can't believe you're saying that's real wine. Anyway. Nobody, nobody, one person, that's it. Uh, so anyway, we, 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 we handle it by laying down on the bottom of the boat. We just don't do anything. We don't, we don't want to do anything. We're not going to do anything. I just, I just want to die. I just want to, you know, this is the person that wakes up on Monday, covers their head, you know, and says, I'm not moving. No, that's me. Oh, wait, oh, that's, anyway, we, we, but do you see how Jesus handles the in-between? He goes for a stroll on the water. And he steps up to the bow of the boat. And there, you know, you could see him doing this. Who is that? Oh, by the way, maybe you're not, maybe you're not a planner. Maybe you're not a freaker out. Or maybe you're not a lay down on the boat and die. Maybe you're a blamer. You know who I'm talking about. You sit there because it's the in-between, because you're out of control, because, because you want to feel certainty of, the, of where you need to be. Uh, you, 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 you just can't handle it anymore. So you start blaming everybody around you. You start attacking people around you. You say, John, it's your fault we're in this boat today. Peter, why didn't you say something to Jesus about this? Andrew, why didn't you help Peter have some courage to talk to Jesus about this? Don't y'all to blame. Here we are. We're all going to die. And it's your fault. The blamer. Some of y'all mastered that. But Jesus, man, he, he's strolling on the water. Why? Because he knows he's got the plan already. He knows how to get you from here to there. And he will take you where you need to be. But you've got to willingly receive him into the boat. Some of us are still rowing and rowing and rowing when we should be where we need to be. We're not because we aren't willing to give up control to Jesus and let him in our boat. And that's why you don't have any nourishment for your soul. 
Jesus will throttle fear with his power if you'll willingly receive him into your boat. So, uh, Jesus throttles fear with power by nourishing us with his power. And then, then finally, ultimately, it's really coming down to this, Jesus gives life for the hungry soul. That, that's really what the whole story is about. That's, that's what John 6 is about. By the way, it's really what the whole gospel is about, that, that Jesus gives life to the hungry soul. You know, people around you are hungry. And maybe you're hungry. And... and, and the people that followed Jesus to the other side of the sea, um, they come in and say, give us some more of that bread. And they followed him because they were hungry and they wanted some more of that bread. And, and Jesus said, Jesus said, stop, stop chasing something that's going to last you for a moment and then be gone. But rather hunger and thirst, get hungry for something that will last forever. They responded and said, well, uh, Moses, our father Moses, gave us manna from heaven. So Jesus jumps on that. He said, well, first of all, Moses didn't give you anything. God gave you manna from heaven. And secondly, do you really want manna? You know the thing about manna. Manna is literally, literally here today, gone tomorrow. Manna is temporary manna fed a hunger for the day do you really want something so temporary look down in verse 35 here's where jesus strikes home and he says okay but uh, i am not manna from heaven i am the bread of life He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst again. I am the bread of life. Literally, I'm the bread that will give you life. I'm the bread that will sustain your life. I am the bread that will send you forward toward life. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger he who believes in me will never thirst don't go for something temporary stop depending upon your money or your prestige or your reputation or your relationships on this side of heaven to make you satisfied to nourish your soul those things can be good they don't aren't necessarily bad but the well is not deep enough for your soul Go to Jesus who alone can nourish your soul completely and give you life forever. And I'm not talking about just any kind of life. I'm talking about a life that seeps down into the depths of your being, that fills you up so that you know you are not hungry in Jesus Christ. It's a a life that satisfies. It's a life that makes you content. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, as long as I'm following Jesus, holding his hand tight, I am a content man. 
I don't need anything else. And even when the winds start blowing, or even if I'm living in the in-between, I can make it okay. Why? Because I got my hand in Jesus' hand, and he is nourishing my soul with life. I'm not a perfect man, and I'm not always a good man, but I am a follower of Jesus. And because of Jesus Christ and his blood shed for me, I live in the contentment of that relationship with him. And so can you. It's called life. It's the way it was intended to be with no missing pieces and missing parts. But the key is to believe. Here's the way way I just... And Jesus really got into a discussion with these religious people and they were upset and whatever. And really came down and he said, you don't believe in me because the Father hasn't drawn your heart to mine. You, 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 you are missing all this because you're at war with the one who sent me. You're missing all this because, because you need God to get hold of your heart and draw you to me. Now, I got to tell you something. If my prayer is anything today, it's that we would stop pretending and playing games and putting all these false fronts on and let God himself get hold of our heart and draw us closer to Jesus. It's my prayer that you and I'd stop pretending, playing games. Who cares? And we would start opening ourselves to the Father and letting the Father draw us to the Son so that the Son might nourish our soul with life. And it can be yours today. My prayer for us is that we would hear the words of life that Jesus speaks and that through His words of life, we might live nourished by Jesus himself as we feast on his presence. Would you bow your heads, please? This morning, I'm just going to invite you to let God get hold of you. Just just let God get hold of your heart. Jesus is ready to help. He cares. He's, he's, ready, he's, he's ready to invade your in-between with his power, but you've got to let him in the boat. He's ready to pour life into you, to nourish you with life. Stop, stop trying to nourish your own self. You know, it's like, it's like a leech feeding on itself. That's what we're trying to do sometimes. We say, well, if I, I, I'm just going to feed myself. I'm going to nourish myself. Guys, listen, stop playing that silly game. Acknowledge your absolute need for Jesus today. I'm talking to followers of Christ. Just just say, I'm not going to make it another day without you, Jesus. Remember, the sign, the mark of a mature believer is not that you've got it all together. The mark of a mature follower of Jesus is that you recognize your own desperation every day and your need for Jesus. My prayer is that you would be drawn closer today. So in these next few moments, I'm just going to ask you to respond any way that the Lord leads you to respond. Some of you are going to need to come to this altar 
Every hour, somebody's come here and talked to the Father. Some of you, you need to come to one of the ministers that will be standing here, and you need to talk to them. Ask them to pray over you or pray with you. Or maybe, maybe you need to talk to them about spiritual decisions or questions that you have. Some of you are here, and you're just going to need to sit right where you are. The work of God in your heart right now is too heavy to move. You just let him do his work and you reflect and you think and you pray. Then others of us, will, we just want to stand and sing praise to the Father who has given us life through the Son. We just want to, we just want to sing praise to the one who has searched our hearts and given us life, who nourishes our soul today. And if that's you, I invite you to stand and worship him. So, Father, in these moments, do what you want to do. This is your time. This is for you. Be glorified. Get hold of our hearts today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.